Hello, and welcome to another episode of Trial by Podcast. I'm Gidon Kangasa, a law graduate in the IP team, and joined with me today is Elisa Blakers, a lawyer in the employment team. Hi, Gidon. Today, we're going to talk about social media in the employment and intellectual property domains. We will look at issues spanning from the possible repercussions of bad-mouthing your boss over Facebook during your Friday night visit to the pub, to the ownership of those cute dog photos which you uploaded to Instagram the day after, perhaps to help relieve the stress of your issues at work. To kick things off, here are six things you need to consider in relation to social media. Number one, a private message sent to colleagues while at the pub after work can be a valid reason for dismissal. Just last month in February, the Fair Work Commission ruled that a dismissal due to an employee's conduct on Facebook Messenger was fair. Seems invasive on an employee's private life? Not if there is a sufficient connection with work. In that case, Luke Colwell and Sydney International Containers Terminals PTY Limited, a wharf worker sent a short 10-second video to his Facebook friends, including 19 colleagues, one night at the pub during a week he was not rostered to work. The pornographic video depicted a naked woman. The incident breached the employer's workplace bullying and harassment policy and the employee was dismissed as a result. The Wharfie pursued a claim of unfair dismissal, citing that there wasn't a sufficient nexus between his after-hours conduct and his work. However, the Fair Work Commission deemed that there was a sufficient connection as the Wharfie's Facebook connections with the 19 colleagues was born out of his employment. Even though the video was sent during the employee's time off, the conduct would materially affect the worker's employment in a matter that warranted his employer's intervention. The distinction of what it means to be at work and out of work is now blurred by, amongst other things, a more flexible and wireless workplace and the fact that people may have social connections with work colleagues. So, lesson one, it doesn't matter where your employee is or what time they engage in the conduct. Sending inappropriate messages to work colleagues can give you reasonable grounds to dismiss an employee in certain circumstances. Number two, the absence of a social media policy can prevent you terminating an employee for an improper social media post. Employers have a responsibility to ensure that employees are afforded procedural fairness during an investigation of alleged misconduct. This extends to the investigation of an inappropriate social media post. In addition, employers must also ensure that their employees are fully informed of the employer's social media policy. A get-out-of-jail-free card was handed to a mining employee because of his rudimentary mistake. In the case of Clint Remert and Broken Hill, an employee was dismissed due to a Facebook post that mocked his boss. The miner claimed that he was unfairly dismissed because the post occurred after hours and he did not identify his boss in the post. Although his inappropriate conduct gave rise to a valid reason for his dismissal, the miner was not afforded procedural fairness as he was not given the opportunity to acknowledge and respond to a confidential report nor did the employer ensure that the minor understood the social media policy in place. So, lesson number two, having a social media policy is not enough. You need to make sure your employees understand the policy and that they are given the chance to explain themselves if an incident arises. Number three, colleagues, not friends. In Higgins and Cole supermarkets, Mr Higgins decided to chuck a sickie. 
In response to his manager's request for a medical certificate regarding his sore thumb, Mr. Higgins decided to send a different part of the male anatomy to portray the injury. He decided to send a second inappropriate photo, a follow-up, to demonstrate just how the thumb got injured. Mr. Higgins had got himself into a real mess. Mr. Higgins claimed that within the context of the staff environment, where similar messages were said to circulate, there was no valid reason for his dismissal. Mr. Higgins also claimed that he and his manager had a personal relationship, arguing that their Facebook friendship and communication through a messaging service linked to a gaming console demonstrated a personal relationship. The commissioner agreed that Facebook is a social network used predominantly for social purposes, and therefore it was not entirely unreasonable for Mr. Higgins to believe that he and the manager had a personal relationship. However, the commissioner was quick to point out that just because they had a personal relationship, that did not mean that the messages were consensual, welcome, or reciprocated. Although Mr. Higgins felt encouraged to send the subsequent message because he believed the manager found the first message funny, Mr. Higgins's conduct was a clear breach of Coles's code of conduct. His dismissal was therefore not harsh, unjust, or unreasonable. So lesson three, just because colleagues are Facebook friends does not necessarily mean that they can be treated like any other friends. Work rules, codes of conduct, and policies still apply. So lesson three, just because colleagues are Facebook friends does not necessarily mean that they can be treated like any other friends. Work rules, codes of conduct, and policies still apply. Number four, although users kiss goodbye to their exclusive rights over content they upload to Instagram and other popular social media platforms, businesses are not entitled to freely use that content. Did you know that although you technically retain ownership of content you create and upload, social media platforms are largely permitted to do whatever they like with your content, including using, sharing, and selling your work? Scary, right? So what can they do with your images or a Facebook rant about a certain American president that develops tremendous traction? When you sign up to a social media platform, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, you are essentially granting a very broad license to the platform, which generally give the platform the right to share, change, and profit from your uploaded content. These licenses usually also grant social media platforms the right to sell or sub-license your uploaded content to third parties. If you delete your post, you are revoking this license. However, enforcement of the revocation becomes difficult if the content has already been shared by the platform or other users. Even though the broad license you grant social media platforms when uploading your content doesn't allow other users to use, change, or profit from your work, it is important to understand that once your content is uploaded to Planet Social Media, it becomes incredibly easy for social media users to download, edit, and use your work even though users are technically infringing your intellectual property rights when they do this, it becomes difficult to enforce your rights on such a large scale, especially if content is shared, reposted, and reused by many different users. So before you wish to upload your Steve McCurry-esque photo of a recently discovered Amazonian tribe or your footage of a rare pangolin in Asia, make sure you carefully read the terms and conditions or whichever social media platform you're planning to use. This way, we will be forewarned about what can and cannot be done to your uploaded content. Other hot tips to minimize the risks of losing control over your uploaded content include changing your privacy settings to control who sees your content 
and using watermarks to notify users that you own the rights in your work and that is not freely available for their use. So lesson number four, businesses should be aware that they may lose control over any original content they post online. Businesses should also know that they can't just take content from social media and use it for the commercial purposes without infringing someone else's intellectual property rights. If your business wants to use online content in a commercial setting, you must get permission from the owner of that content first. Number five, who owns your LinkedIn connection list? Businesses are increasingly using social media to help develop marketing, communications, and branding strategies. Social media connections and followers are an important source of potential new clients. It is now very common for employees to use their personal accounts on platforms such as LinkedIn to help promote the social media presence of their company while also building their own social networks. What happens at the end of the employment relationship? Who owns the account if both the business and individual have contributed to the development of that online presence? Who has the right to those 500 plus connections developed during the individual's employment at the company? At present, this area of Australian law is unsettled. Recently, the New South Wales Supreme Court has demonstrated some willingness to acknowledge social media account misuse as an actionable right. In this case, a recruitment company alleged that a former employee took names from the company's candidate database and connected with them via LinkedIn. The employee then used those connections to solicit clients when she began working for a competitor. It was decided that the employee had only been able to make those LinkedIn connections because of her access to the company's client database. She had misused company information for personal benefit and breached her duty of confidentiality to her former employee. So lesson number five, LinkedIn and other social media connections can be confidential information, which is the property of the business rather than of the individual who owns the account. If you're worried about your employees taking connections with them when they leave, you should be careful to put clear social media policies in place and to make sure your employees are aware of the content and the implications of those policies before, during and after their employment. Number six, you can remove false content about you or your business on social media, but it becomes very difficult if that content is true. Generally, there is not much you can do about forcing a website to pull down information about you that is not false. If there's an article that you know that is true, you don't have much legal recourse if you wish to take it down. What about defamatory search results that Google finds about you and is reluctant to pull down? In the recent case of Duffy and Google, the South Australian Supreme Court found that Google was legally responsible for returning links to defamatory content on the web that were false and damaging to Dr. Duffy's reputation. Dr. Duffy had long tried to clear her name and remove links to defamatory content. US-based site Ripoff Reports hosted the online forum for users to post falsely damaging reviews of Dr. Duffy. When jurisdictional issues created difficulty for Dr. Duffy to go after Ripoff Reports, she instead took Google to court. The court decided that Google was the facilitator of the defamatory material, and because they received notice from Dr. Duffy regarding the content, they were ordered to remove those related search results from their Australian domain. It was a big win for Dr. Duffy. But as it is likely that the tech kings will appeal to the High Court, a cloud of uncertainty hovers over this space. 
The decision may have implications on social media platforms due to the positioning as an internet intermediary, just as it did for Google. But what if the content is true, such as a post about your arch enemy's recent arrest? Well, this is difficult. You don't have legal recourse to compel social media platforms or Google to pull down or censor content that is true. Your best avenue would be to contact the website owner and politely request to have the content removed. So lesson number six, putting aside the difficulties of proving defamation, removing defamatory content from social media can be done. However, removing true information that you simply don't like is not so easy. That's all we have time for today. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Trial by Podcast, a show hosted by McCabe's lawyers examining the weird and wonderful world of law and some of the more fascinating issues that affect our lives and those around us. And if you haven't done so already, I recommend you listen to our previous episodes of this show, which are also available for download. Our most recent episode was The Law on Heartbreak, When Courtship Goes to Court, and was hosted by Luke Dominish from the litigation group at McCabe's. Please review us on iTunes via the podcast app on your phone as it will help other law students and lawyers find and enjoy the show. Thanks again for listening and we hope you tune in again next month.